Another week, another episode up ahead, so welcome to Drop Pass Podcast. 60th episode now underway and it's time to return to North American ice, and more specifically, the NHL. We are pretty much halfway done with the regular season, which means that it's time to check out the league standings, team stats and individual performances from the first half, and today we are going to start that climb from the Eastern Conference. Last week's episode covered the U20 World Championships, so if you haven't listened to that episode yet and want to hear my take on it, go ahead and put that to your list. And next week, as you could expect, I'll be covering the Western Conference. And why exactly have I split these two individual episodes? Well, the reason is that I'm going to be away for more than a few days. So despite that, I will be able to upload next week again, so even though I could have fitted these two into one sole episode, I decided to divide them so that we get some content for both weeks, even though I will be away for some time. But that will be the menu for today's episode. Go check out the social media pages from the description, press the follow button and put notifications on if you enjoy the content. And now that the familiar sound is starting to appear from the background, it indicates that it's officially time to start this episode as we always do so. Without further ado, let's get go. And we are off once again NHL action on display this week. And as I said, today we will focus on team performances ahead of the upcoming All-Star break and check the stat sheets of each team while focusing on players that have so far either exceeded expectations or played well below what was expected. And like I mentioned, today we have Eastern Conference on the table, so we are going to go division by division, and we will start our run-through from the Metropolitan Division and end the episode with the Atlantic. So take a comfy position and enjoy the following 40 minutes of NHL talk. So currently, the Canes lead the division with 59 points, while the second place team, New Jersey Devils, are trailing the top team by 4 points after 41 games. New York Rangers are currently holding on to the third spot with 55 points, meanwhile the Capitals hold down the fourth spot with 52 points, and at least have surprised me with their consistency when taking into account that they were missing both Nick Backstrom and Tom Wilson, who just made their season debuts a few days ago. Fifth place belongs to the Pittsburgh Penguins, who stand with 48 points. Islanders are on the sixth spot with 47 dots. Philly holds down the seventh spot with 41 points, and the last team in the division happens to be the Columbus Blue Jackets by a quite large margin, so it's safe to say that their focus has already shifted to the upcoming entry draft. So currently, in the Metro, only two teams are pretty much officially out of the playoff race, Meanwhile, the competition for the remaining tickets for the postseason is still very much ongoing and therefore the excitement concerning the last playoff spots for the East will grow even more once we pass the All-Star break. Carolina expectedly has taken the top spot but so far has been pretty mid-special teams-wise, so if they can manage to put those in order during the last part of the regular season, they will strengthen their spot on top even more and clinch the playoff spot as one of the first teams in the league. 
As I mentioned in one of the previous episodes, Martin Natchez has really taken the next step and currently leads the team in points with 38 in 40 games. Meanwhile, Brent Burns has settled nicely to his new hometown and has been their offensive leader on the blue line during the first part of the season. Stefan Nessen has really benefited from the absence of Max Pacioretty and has currently 20 points in 37 games, which was not expected before the season, so big surprise point-wise at least in my papers. And even Jordan Martinuk has posted unexpectedly high numbers offensively, so good numbers from those depth guys as well. Pacioretty is now back in full action and is expected to take a leadership role on their top six. Meanwhile, the biggest disappointments from the first part point-wise have been Theo Teravainen and Seth Jarvis to certain extent. Teravainen only has 15 points in 30 games and is really behind the eight ball regarding his previous point totals. So if he manages to drag up his production alongside Pacioretty, the Canes are going to be even more scary team offensively, so at least I have fairly high expectations for them for the remainder of the regular season. And lastly, it has to be said that their current goaltending situation is intriguing to say the least since Freddie Anderson has missed a lot of games due to an injury, and in 8 games that he has played, has posted very subpar numbers. Meanwhile, their backup, Antiranta, has ruthlessly been pushed even further down the lineup, since the Russian netminder Peter Kochetkov has claimed the reins in their blue paint by posting better numbers than his older counterparts. So, what eventually will happen once Freddy makes his comeback is an intriguing aspect, because currently it looks like Ranta could be on his way out of town due to his performances, and I have strong belief that their front office will much rather depend on the duo of Anderson and Kochetkov in the playoffs because of their previous showing during last year's postseason. But don't be surprised to see some drama before the Canes ready up for their postseason run, and overall, they picked up the pace as of late and are looking better than at the start, so expect to see strong finish for their regular season. The Devils are the second team on the board and are on their way to their best regular season finish in a long time thanks to their great defensive game and well above average offense. Their young guns have really stepped up to the plate this year and their veteran presence have been the balancing factor in their game and first time in years the Devils might be in a situation where they need to start considering making improvements at the deadline rather than dealing away players for future assets. Jack Hughes currently leads the team in points with 49 in 40, and the supporting cast of Brad, Hishier, and Hamilton are trailing him few points behind. So overall, it's been a mesmerizing start for the entire Devil squad. Defensively, Jonas Siegenthaler, Ryan Graves, and John Marino have been extremely solid. Dawson Mercer has started to really make a name for himself because of his strong offensive game, and their offseason acquisition, Andre Palat, is expected to return to their lineup in a couple of weeks, which should strengthen the team even more so. The expectations for them are not going to fall down that much for the rest of the season due to their extremely solid start. The only major disappointment to me has been Mackenzie Blackwood's performances in Netcus. He's been pushed to a backup role and to this date has only started 11 games with 0.888 save percentage and 3.05 goals against average so. If these numbers don't start to increase, he may be looking for another team in the offseason because Vitek Panacek now has the starting role in his grip and he's looking to hold that until his contract runs out in 2025. 
Their young netminder Akira Schmid has even surpassed Blackwood stat-wise, so that should prove you that the Canadian netminder is currently on very thin ice, and it wouldn't surprise me if the Devils decided to ditch him on the deadline to acquire more support to their four lines. But hopefully they are able to keep this train moving, since like I said, they've been probably the most surprising team this year, so keep a close eye on them in the spring season as well, because no one knows what the NHL still has in store for the remaining 40 or so games. The Rangers are currently on the third spot in the division, and it goes without saying that after such a successful regular season, their start has been a somewhat of a letdown. But on the hindsight, many believe this to happen in the offseason, but since I wasn't one of those people, I expect them to pick up the slack during the spring and bolster their lineup the closer we get to the real playoff race. Shesterkin hasn't been the one-man band in net like he was a year ago, and Chris Kreider isn't on pace to break 60 goals, but other than that, the stats are very similar to last season, so that is another reason to question their somewhat slow start. The expected culprits man the top spots on their score sheet, Vinny Trocek has fitted in very well to his new surroundings, and to my delight, Kendry Miller has picked up his offensive numbers, but the worries surrounding Capococco and Alexis Lafreniere is really starting to creep in because yet another year has passed and nothing has pretty much changed regarding these two, so how long the front office is going to keep waiting if they could obtain really strong name to the roster on the deadline with at least one of them is my real question. They have been mediocre on pretty much every aspect, whether it is goal scored, power play and even penalty kill, so my opinion is that if someone currently is on the hot seat, it is their head coach Gerard Gallant, especially if he keeps undermining these two high value prospects. His day in the Big Apple could be counted, so I really do believe that something will still unfold in the NYC before the NHL playoffs really kick off. From the fourth place, we find the Washington Capitals, who so far have exceeded my expectations if I'm completely honest. And to me, it's been surprising how well they've done without so many core members who've been out of their lineup. John Carlson has missed over 10 games and is going to be out long term after taking a slap shot to his face during last week's game. DJ Oshie has missed over 15 contests, just like their demon Dimitri Orlov. Connor Brown played only 4 games and is pretty much outlined for the remainder of the regular season. And their two key contributors, Tom Wilson and Nicholas Beckstrom, just made their season debuts few nights ago, so I've been really surprised how they've been able to float above 500 with such significant absences. While Dylan Strom and Eric Gustafsson have really put their big boy pants on this year and hold tremendous stats from the early season, so those guys at least need a tap on their shoulders. While I also can't forget the late addition Sonny Milano, who has registered 19 points in 30 contests, so he has made his impact on their lineup as well. And above all else, their netminders have been rock solid. Darcy Kemper with 0.920 save percentage from 26 contests, and the mystery backup Charlie Lindgren with the 912 save percentage in 29. So it goes without saying that these two have given them chance to fight for wins during the first 40 games of the season. Alex Ovechkin leads the team in points with 48 in 43, and to me, there really hasn't been any major disappointments thus far, much rather the opposite, and pretty much their entire roster has played up to par, and that has enabled them to be in the playoff conversation, 
even without two of their core members. So overall pleasantly surprising start which gives some ammo for the remainder of the regular season and therefore they will be one of the teams to look out for now that both Bigstrom and Wilson are back in their lineup. The pesky pens man the fifth spot in the division and the old guard is still very much holding on when it comes to available playoff tickets. At this point it shouldn't surprise you if I said that Crosby, Cancel and Malkin are on top of their score sheet since those guys have manned the top spot for years now and they as well might be heading to a very decisive second part of the regular season since they most likely are not in a place they wish to be at this stage while injuries have yet again somewhat rattled the team so they most likely have to add to their name list if they aim to challenge the top teams in the east. The most likely candidates with departing tickets are Tail Bluegers who has seen his minutes diminishing through the past two seasons and Kasperi Kapanen who has picked up his scoring a little bit but still seems to be on the hot seat like every season before this one. Brian Rust has had an underwhelming season offensively despite getting similar minutes the previous years meanwhile Jason Zucker has strengthened his numbers and has been relied upon more often just like their last deadline's acquisition Ricard Raquel who currently holds 24 points from 39 games. But the drop off is still quite steep from their top three regarding points and taking into account Chris Letang's and Jeff Petrie's situations the moment of decision might come sooner than we might expect if the Pens put their marbles on the line to chase after another Lord Stanley Trophy. Their goaltending hasn't been an issue this year either and the penalty kill has been top three in the league so all they need to do is to get their offense going because defensively they've been right smack in the middle when it comes to Eastern Conference teams. So not a catastrophic start for the Penguins at least but some improvements should be expected the closer we get to the playoffs. From the 6th place we find the Island Boys aka the Islanders and they pretty much mathematically are the last team from the Metro still fighting for available playoff spots because they are only 8 points away from the 3rd place Rangers and still have played 2 games less than the Capitals. They as well are probably not satisfied with their current placement and want to claim spot to the spring dance but just as I alluded in the preseason preview the fight in the east for available playoff spots is going to be fierce this year and that seems exactly to be the case so in regard to Isles they still have lots of work to do before signing up to the postseason. This year yet again their defense hasn't been bulletproof and have been very mid on both goals allowed and goals scored which has heavily impacted their placement in the Metro standings. Their power play has been one of the worst in the league which also paints a picture for you on why they've been struggling offensively. Meanwhile their goalie tandem has been one of the best in the league so they at least earned clean papers from the first part of the regular season. Elias Rockin has been one of the best goalies in the league stat wise and I'm hoping that my preseason prediction holds and he's able to drag the team to the postseason but currently with the way they've handled their business it could be a long shot if teams above them don't start to crumble during the spring. They've received stable scoring numbers from Matthew Berzal who leads the team with 41 and Brock Nelson who currently rocks a stat line of 15 goals and 23 assists in 41 games but guys like Anders Lee, Anthony Beauvillier and Oliver Wallstrom would need to pick up the slack offensively if they aim to increase their chances regarding postseason. 
And at this point, you can't ask too much from their older guard of Josh Bailey and Jack Parisi. So younger guys need to step up, but once again, they seem to face the same problem of not getting enough offense from their first two lines, and that could become detrimental for the team relatively soon once the All-Star break is over and teams start to gear up for the last stretch of the regular season. We'll see if Lou has any aces up in his sleeves, but if we take into account his past year's activity, we might be holding our breath until we pass out, so let's just leave it at that for now. Then we head to 7th place Philadelphia, and just as expected, after a showboating start, the team has fallen back onto the earth, and are getting ready to improve their odds for future through drafting. But despite their current placement, there are also some bright spots in their lineup by the names of Travis Konechny, Kevin Hayes, Owen Tippett, Morgan Frost, James Van Riemsdyk, Cam York, and Samuel Ayrson. Konechny has been lights out this year and currently holds 43-point total from 35 games and overall seems to fit in the playstyle towards wants them to play, which could be expected if you happen to know anything about his playstyle. And although I see myself as a guy that keeps close tabs on these kinds of things, even I've been surprised by his scoring numbers because the guy is currently on pace to break 90 points this year, so whatever the future holds for him, this season will work as a goalpost when it comes down to his next contract in 2025. Kevin Hayes as well has rebounded to his former point pace and is currently second in scoring within the team with 36 dots in 40 games and with all the drama that has surrounded him recently. I was glad to see him getting nominated to the All-Star team, which will be played in Florida, so expect to see some goofiness from his side, especially if and when Keith Yandel ends up to that city during that exact weekend. Owen Tippett has found his next offensive gear and is currently rocking with 21 points, so slowly he seems to be reaching the numbers we expected to see when he was drafted in the first round. And same goes with Morgan Frost, who's had a tough time in Philly ever since his draft, but this year, his numbers show more promise and with 19 points in 40 games, he will be aiming to improve that total even more in the second part of the campaign. So in my eyes, it's great to see that these guys are finally reaching the next steps on the NHL level after being heavily criticized through the past few years. JVR has finally made his comeback to the roster and has been prolific offensive contributor in his first 21 games. Samuel Erson is seemingly stealing the backup role from Felix Sandström, which shouldn't surprise you if you've seen his numbers all the way from Sweden. And lastly, the highly touted blue liner Cam York has finally been planted back into their lineup. And so far, it looks like the guy is going to stay there because of his great scoring numbers from the 14 games. 8 points is what he currently has, and with the way he's been lighting up the score sheet in the minors, that total should only keep climbing the further we go into the spring. So same applies to him than what did to Frost and Tippett. It is finally great to see him succeeding on the NHL level since the skills have been undeniable. But in this case, the road has been a tad bit longer than for many others. So all he now needs to do is to prove towards that he is worthy of his selection. And the trajectory will keep rocketing up. I'm more than sure about that. And with all that praise, there's also gotta be a balance and regarding this team, the negative counterbalance has been their blue liner Ivan Provarov, who has only been able to record 14 points from the 41 games he has played. In addition to that, minus 8 rating decorates his plus-minus column, 
So questions surrounding his place in their rebuild have started to circle and rightfully so if you ask me. He's had multiple underwhelming seasons now and although he eats a lot of minutes on their back line and often opens up their play from their own end, that total is just not good enough from a first pairing defenseman who is expected to be somewhere around the 50 point mark each year. His contract will run until 2025, so they have time in their hands regarding his future within the organization and overall, with this roster, no one probably expected them to keep their momentum until the playoffs, so I would say that at least they got their wins early so that they don't end up being the last team in the NHL after all is said and done, although that might be the right course of action when looking at the upcoming draft class. And lastly, we have the Columbus Blue Jackets and as one could have been expecting. They man the last spot in the division and are currently holding the second to last place point-wise in the entire league. What else can be said then? Disappointing start to their season and it isn't looking that promising for the remainder either. So most likely the team starts to get ready for the upcoming draft and deals away a few assets on the deadline to improve their chances even more when it comes to go time in June. Johnny Gaudreau holds the top spot on their score sheet to surprise of absolutely no one. And just like in Philly, we have few pleasant surprises to mention despite all the negativity surrounding the team currently. Here, the positive surprises are Emil Bemstrom, Marcus Björk and Kirill Marchenko. Bemstrom has flashed his offensive tools time and time again in both the AHL as well as the NHL but seemingly just can't find the right place to put those skills effectively in use, but so far, in 13 games he has registered 9 points, so could this be the moment when he never returns to the minors again, because I've been hoping for him to stick with the big boys couple of years now, ever since I saw him lighting up the lamp in Helsinki for the HIFK. Marcus Björk, though, has been the biggest surprise to me since he really flew under my radar. And to be quite frank, I wasn't really even aware of his presence within the team before the season started, but now, I certainly am, because the right-handed smooth skating blue liner has registered 11 points in 25 games and has taken many by surprise, and I'm not surprised by that one bit. He has just cleanly taken his spot on their first pairing and ejected himself on their first power play unit as well, so if these guys manage to put up points on the power play, Expect to see his name on the scoreboard more often, since he has the skills to remain on the NHL ice and thanks to his this year's surface, I've had to check myself as well because I've been seemingly really lacking on this department. And lastly, the Russian winger Kirill Marchenko who just few nights ago recorded himself his first hat-trick in the NHL and also scored in the shootout, which has led many people to ring the bell for the forthcoming of their next great winger. And to be totally honest, they might not be too far from that outcome if he keeps improving his game. 8 goals in 16 games tells you that this guy is all about goal scoring, which they've needed for the past couple of years due to Linus' injury woes. So overall, I've been really happy to see him succeeding and since I've been covering his progress through the past couple of seasons, this result didn't really surprise me but more so the fact that how quickly he has adjusted to North American playstyle. The roster overall doesn't hold too many major letdowns since the team has been woeful, as I said, but the most critical one thus far has been their netminder Elvis Merzlikens, whose numbers are just hard to look at because 
the save percentage of 8.65 and goals against average of 4.52 are one of the worst in the entire league, which also somewhat explains why they've struggled as much as they have so far. Corpisalo has climbed back to over 0.910 save percentage, so they at least get goaltending from somewhere. And if I had to name one skater who has disappointed me the most, it has to be Gold Cylinder who has really hit the sophomore slump and in 36 games has only been able to register 7 points, so he has a long way to climb if he wants to grab home a spot from their top 6, because there is a list of names that are eyeing on that spot. Kent Johnson in the forefront, who is having a great rookie season with 18 points in 36 games, so tough goal for Cylinder, but let's hope that he finds his groove and can fight back to respectable stats before the season is said and done. But that covers the Metropolitan Division for now, and next we move on to the Atlantic, where we have another 8 teams to go through before we sign off for today. Boston is currently leading the division with 68 points, and is currently the top team in the league as well. Toronto mans the second spot with 59 points, Tampa has grabbed the third spot with 53 point total, while Stevie Wise, Red Wings hold down the fourth spot with 43 points. Buffalo is manning the 5th spot with 42 point total. From the 6th place we find the Panthers with a same point total as the team in front of them. Ottawa is down at the 7th spot with 41 dots. And Montreal has fallen down back onto the earth, just like Philly and is currently the worst team in the Atlantic, with a total of 37 points. Here the top 3 is very much in the playoff conversation. The Sabres, Panthers and the Red Wings are hanging by a thread while the worst two teams, the Sens and the Habs, have pretty much flagged out of the playoff race and will begin to focus on the upcoming draft event if nothing drastic happens before all the tickets have been distributed to teams belonging to that ride. But first on the board from this division is going to be the league leader Boston Bruins. And honestly, their start has been the most mesmerizing phenomenon this year because even though I saw them as a playoff team before the season started, I wasn't expecting them to lead the league at the halfway point. As I've mentioned previously, their old guard has turned back the clock, which has helped them to attain their title. And overall, the team just has been extremely solid on all fronts, the special teams included. Depth players are filling their roles, which has been one of their biggest weaknesses during the last couple of years. Defense has been extremely solid, and Hampus Lindholm's addition has done wonders to their backline. While goaltending belongs to the top half of the entire league, so, so far, there isn't much to complain about regarding their game. They now have their roster fully intact, their top players are providing numbers on nightly basis, and they are more and more starting to remind me of the big bad Bruins era, so things are looking up for B-Town reps. David Pasternak has been on fire lately, so at this point it is safe to say that my last year's predictions seem to be a year early, at least when it comes to Martin Natchez breaking out and Pasternak taking home the Rocket Richard trophy. He's still trailing McDavid by a few goals, but with this pace, it certainly isn't out of the question, so we'll see what the remainder of the regular season ends up bringing him offensively. Pretty much the only disappointment on the roster has been Craig Smith, who has so far been only able to record 5 points in 26 games, and thus has been surrounded with trade rumors, so it shouldn't come as a surprise if he ends up leaving Boston before the team starts gearing up for the postseason. 
But overall, as I stated, remarkable start for the franchise, especially when you look at their early season injury woes. So I've been extremely glad to see them on top of the league, and I'm really expecting this trend to continue the further we go into the spring season. Second place team Toronto is right where they are expected to be, and after a slow start, their main guys have picked up the pace and very well reflect their team's performance on the individual level as well. Mitch Marner is currently their leading scorer with 49 points, but his partner in crime, Austin Matthews, is only two points behind him, so one could expect him to take the top spot once the regular season is over, but with the way Marner has been putting up points this year, the accolades could very well go to him once 82 games are played, but either way, no real surprises on that front at all. Nylander, Tavares and Bunning have supported their main duo as expected, and surprisingly, Kala Yarncroak has really found back his offensive groove and has been one of the more pleasantly surprising names on their roster this year, with a 20-point total from the 34 contests. Morgan Riley has been injured for a good portion of the regular season, but in 26 games has recorded 19 points, so the team has been fairly reliant on his game as well. But most likely, the biggest surprise to all NHL fans has been Connor Timmins' surge, because after the trade, the guy has posted 10 points in 12 games and has been 80 minutes on their first pairing. So, the question is, has he finally made his break from the harmful injury cycle, and is this his final trajectory? going forward. I really do hope that that is the case, since it wasn't a coincidence that he was drafted in the first round, because the guy has all the tools to become a prolific top 4 option on the NHL level, but so far, bad injuries have slowed down his progress on the next level, so let's just all hope that this isn't just a glitch in the matrix, and he can finally start his climb towards the top class of the best defensemen in the entire league. Also, Timothy Lilligren, since coming back to their lineup, has provided the team with extra assurance from the back line and has returned to his normal form after the injury, so despite Jake Muzzin's injury, the team is jogging along pretty nicely and their goaltending has been much more solid than I could have expected before the season, but a few moves could still be expected before the team heads to its early postseason run or sprint, however you want to see it. From the third place we find the Bolts and pretty much the first part of the season has gone according to plan, where the team is just preparing for the postseason appearance, and although the start hasn't been as explosive than what it has been in the past, they are still an extremely lethal team and most likely one of the favorites to go far in the playoffs after last year's failure to accomplish the three-peat. Nikita Kucherov has been on fire and currently leads the team in points with 49 dots from the 39 games. Meanwhile, his supporting cast of Steven Stamkos and Braden Point is cruising with over point per game pace, and even Brandon Hagel has been able to notch up his offensive numbers, and he's rocking with 32 points from 39 contests, so it's safe to say that they are going to benefit from his output now that Andre Palat has left the team. Mihal Sergachev's 29-point total has been one of the more surprising feats this year, and honestly, it's about time to start really producing offensively because many people have been expecting these kinds of numbers from the day he was traded to Tampa. So we'll see if this is just a sleight of hand move or if he finally is able to be amongst the top 20 when it comes to D-man scoring. Nick Paul has continued where he left off last postseason and their middle six overall has been as strong as could be expected 
and even though Hedman's this year's point total is a bit less than what could be expected, he's still eating a lot of minutes and is shutting down the opposition with great efficiency, so that really isn't anything too alarming, in my opinion. Same goes with Andrei Vasilevsky, who has been recovering from his low start in net, and is currently posting almost 0.920 save percentage, so things are starting to return to normal on that front as well. And pretty much the most surprising name on the roster has been defenseman Nick Perbeeks, who has taken a spot in their top six somewhat thanks to their injuries, but still, the right-handed rugged blue liner has impressed me with this play and deservedly has earned more minutes on their backline against most odds. But so far, the team has very much depended on their power play, which is amongst the top of the league, but before the postseason kicks off, they either have to find a way to find more scoring 5-on-5, or cut down the opposition scoring chances, but I guess as a former back-to-back -back cup winner, they know exactly what they need and therefore I'm not going to go too in-depth on their weaknesses and much rather focus on them getting to the playoffs and seeing who they are going to face on the first round. The fourth spot somewhat surprisingly belongs to the Detroit Red Wings and currently they are hanging by a thread when it comes to postseason ticket only because of less games played than the top two teams in the division. They've gotten strong performances from all over their lineup, but big downward slides from Raymond and Sider haven't benefited the team standings-wise whatsoever. Dominic Kubalik's and Philip Ronick's outputs have also been hit since the start of the regular season, so currently they are fighting an uphill battle when it comes to tickets for the spring prom. And just like the Sabres, their manner of approach for the upcoming deadline could become clear within the next month because they are over 10 points away from the available wildcard spots, but analytically they are still in the run for that and therefore the next month of games will determine if they are going to be sellers or buyers on the deadline. Just recently, Jacob Rana was listed on the waiver wire and seemingly the relationship between the player and the front office is not in good condition, so he most likely, in addition to Olimat and Pusuter, are the main guys that will be walking the plank when it comes to their future with the organization. Matta has had a solid season on their backline and deserves his chance to fight for Stanley Cup if it comes down to that. Meanwhile, their captain Dylan Larkin is still waiting for his extension paper while leading the team in points with 35 in 38 contests. Otherwise, the team has performed to expectations, aka being fairly mediocre on all fronts, so just as I expected, their rebuild is still very much in progress, but if they end up taking away few critical wins within the next upcoming month, and few teams up top end up sliding a bit, the tone could turn on a dime and they could be on the hunt until the last stretch of the regular season. Jonathan Berggren though has been a revelation for the team and just as I said previously, my predictions seem to become true only one year later, but overall the guy has brought his gifts to their top 9 and has battled his way to regular minutes through determination and undeniable skill set. It also helps when you register points, 15 in 26 is fairly decent for a rookie, so let's hope that he ends up staying up top cause he just straight up doesn't belong to the AHL level anymore, and he has proved that this year. And lastly, when it comes to disappointments, the major one this year has been their offseason acquisition Ben Sherratt, 
West has far recorded only 10 points in 39 games and is currently holding a minus 15 rating in his stats. So those who question this addition to their blue line are probably at this point celebrating like no other. And honestly, I can't blame them for that one bit. Pew Suter's numbers have also disappointed me this year. 11 points in 38 games could mean that he ends up elsewhere on the deadline if GM Iserman doesn't see a future with him, especially after the emergence of Berggren. And it has to be stated that also Tyler Bertuzzi's future in Detroit is going to be on the cards because the injury-prone winger has yet again been only able to play 10 games this year, so in my opinion, it should be obvious that he wants to stay in Detroit even when knowing what he brings to the table, since this is a business at the end of the day, and there's no reason to hold on to depreciating assets, even how cruel that might sound. And lastly, we have the tandem of Filip Zadina and Alex Nedeljkovic, and what else can I say then? It might be time to cut off the cord and let these guys go, because this year has been yet again another disappointment, and if you're going to let go of your depreciating assets, these guys should be amongst that bunch, so... If Shove comes down to push, expect to see these two in new places before the season is over. But a major turning point ahead for the franchise, so if you want some drama, follow these guys, because very soon we could be learning what the next steps could be regarding this team's future. The fifth spot belongs to the Buffalo Sabres, and once again, the month of November wasn't very advantageous for them, and thus, they've dropped few points after they hit this slump. But despite that, they are still in the playoff race and their young names Stage Thompson, Rasmus Dahlin, Alex Tuck and Dylan Cousins have really stepped up this year and made the Sabres one of the more intriguing teams to watch. The confidence has been oozing from their lineup and even their former first-rounder Casey Middlestad has picked up the pace offensively, while the young stars Jack Quinn, JJ Paterka and Owen Power have brought some needed excitement and energy to their lineup. Dage Thompson is having a career year with 57 points from 39 games, and Rasmus Dahlin is slowly entering the Norris conversation with over point per game pace, so at this point, it really wouldn't surprise me if they found their way to the postseason since their top players have just been that consistent, and if the ageless Craig Anderson is able to keep up his pace until the last game of the regular season, they at least should be hanging on the door handle, which eventually leads to the postseason. He's currently holding a .921 save percentage and 2.70 goals against average, which is extremely remarkable when taking into account that the guy is 41 years old. So I have my doubts about that because their defense isn't stacked to the top, so I'm expecting a small downfall once the games turn into wars in the second half of the season. They've been lighting up the lamp on the power play, which has really helped them to obtain wins in tight games and are the second-best offensive team in goals for, but on the contrary, their defense, and especially penalty kill, have been more than questionable, so I predict that they have a massive battle ahead of them if they aim to find a ticket for the postseason. But it's going to be interesting to see what kind of moves they are going to make on the deadline, or if any since, just like New Jersey, they haven't been in this kind of situation in a long time, so it is hard to try to predict the outcome, because of their this year's superb performance. So exciting times ahead for the Sabres nation, and therefore you should pay close attention to their last 
40 games of the regular season. Then from the 6th spot we find the Florida Panthers and this year so far has been a major disappointment for the Panthers squad and slowly they are losing their chance to advance to the postseason. They have been one of the worst teams on the East defensively and haven't found the offense to bother the top teams in the conference. And of course it happens every now and again but for the most part they haven't been anywhere near the level they were during the previous two campaigns. Aaron Eckblad has had a miserable season with 16 points from 31 games, decorated with a cold minus 19 rating. Shasha Parkov is just barely keeping his point per game average as even. Sam Reinhardt and Sam Bennett are below their previous point totals and Sergei Bobrovsky is running with under 0.900 save percentage, so those are some of the culprits that have affected their success from the early season. And like I envisioned before this year's campaign, their defense was struck hard after the loss of Mackenzie Weger. And Eggblood hasn't been able to bounce back to his previous level after his injury. And overall, the defensive side of the puck has just been lackluster throughout the season. While taking into account the fact that they don't possess that many good assets for the deadline. So it could be a quite a steep drop from the top this year for the franchise. Even their special teams have been really average and although young Spencer Knight has taken some responsibility on their crease, it's never a good sign when your $10 million goalie sits on the sidelines. And when he actually gets to guard their crease, he posts up par numbers so the jigsaw they are currently trying to assemble before the expiration date could never become finished if the tide doesn't turn soon enough. The bright spots for them though have been the emergence of Brandon Montour who currently sits on the second spot on their inner leaderboard with 34 points in 40 games and the fact that Matthew Ketchuk has really taken a leadership role in the team and is doing everything he can each night to enable them to fight for wins one way or the other. He currently leads the team in points with 51 in 39 so the pace thus far has been impressive but it goes without saying that Sasha would need to step up even more on that front because they need the offense especially from their captain who is known to produce with similar pace to get Chuck. So the landslide they started during last year's postseason seems to still bother the team, so unless they are able to break the hex soon after the All-Star break is over, they could be looking at a long offseason, so keep tabs on this team, because the last year's investments could come to haunt them as soon as this season. The Sens are holding on to the 7th place currently and they are pretty much lined out at the playoff conversation. Terrible season in my mind related to expectations after a pretty hectic offseason so what really is up next for the struggling franchise is my question. Well first and foremost probably another sale at the deadline that's for sure but what they are for example going to do with Alex de Bringet is a real question. Because he has so far racked up 36 points in 40 games, so is a bit behind his previous totals, but overall, this isn't a miserable total by any means. Just more could be expected at this point. It's even trickier situation than in Detroit or Buffalo, because this was supposed to be the year when they take the next step after going heavy in the offseason, but that hasn't been the case, and another sellout is probably upon them when you look at their current record. What's been promising though has been the surge of their young guns, Brady Ketchuk, on top of their scoring table with point per game pace. Tim Stutzle, 
39 points in 36 games. Greg Batherson, 37 dots in 40 games. And Jake Sanderson with only 14 points in 40 games, but surely showings on their shaky blue line in his rookie season. While the rest of their top six has played up to expectations, so what really has been the real issue here? Well, it hasn't been their goaltending since both Forsberg and Talbot are currently posting over 0.05 save percentages. And although those could be higher, there's no question about that. It isn't their downfall by any means, but more so. Their bottom six just hasn't been able to get anything going. Meanwhile, their first two lines have allowed way too many goals against. And defense obviously is only waterproof at best. So those are pretty much the spices in their current horror soup. Like I mentioned before the season started, the defense for them was extremely questionable heading into this year. And to this date, they haven't done anything to change that statement whatsoever. So unfortunately, the team that I was expecting the most to break the threshold has been really struggling and another offseason of doubt is upon us. So we'll see if they end up improving their position within the division or if they just start to deal away players to gain assets for the upcoming draft. Because that might be the best course of action when looking at their current situation, but we'll see. And lastly, we have the Montreal Canadiens, and just like Columbus, they are pretty much where I saw them ahead of the campaign. So, more than anything, I was surprised by their success in the early part of the 22-23 season. And their situation is probably not going to change for better at least anytime soon since... Just this week, we learned that Jake Allen would be sidelined for up to weeks, so even though their head coach Martin St. Louis told the press that they are hunting for wins until the very last game of the regular season, they should keep in mind that their rebuild is still in full effect and that pretty good prices are on the line this summer. And although as a Habs fan, it's been rough to look at their performances this year, this was the expectation and in my head, the process has just started, so I'm currently not too worried about it, because the Young Bucks are getting playing time and showing that they belong to this league, so I'm still optimistic about their future, even though currently the current situation wouldn't necessarily straight up tell you that. Nick Suzuki leads the team in points with 34 in 41, while his linemate Cole Caulfield has grabbed home 32 in same amount of games, and it's been good to see these guys creating some real chemistry because they will be the building blocks for the future Habs forward core for years to come. Also, the offseason acquisition Kirby Doc is even running with 24 points, and although his pace has died down a bit since the start, it's still been comforting to see him finding his offense in otherwise struggling team. Sean Monahan before his injury found his former offensive tick, and in 25 games grabbed home 17 points, so... He could become valuable asset for the Habs on the deadline if they decide to deal him away. Meanwhile, the youngsters Kaden Gooley and Arbor Shekash have impressed me and many others around the league with their play, so the blue line seems to be in good hands as well when looking at their future. Juraslavkovsky's start has been similar to what I expected, so I'm not going to raise any red flags yet. And Samuel Montembeau's performances have struck me on a certain level, so it is not all gloomy in Montreal, even though their record might suggest that. They are 100% going to be sellers on the deadline, whatever Martin St. Louis might think about that, and expect to see a major turnover on the roster front before the next season rolls around, because unfortunately, 
this core is in it if they want to ramp up their rebuild like many other organizations have done successfully in recent years. But overall, very expected results, so we are just going to pretty much move past that. And that pretty much is the raw breakthrough from each team's first half of the regular season. And for many franchises, the following 15 to 20 games are going to be very decisive. So once the tempo ramps up after the All-Star break, at least I'm going to keep my eyes on teams that have the most in play. And in my mind, you should too if you want some entertainment for the remainder of the regular season. Put few teams on the watch list and check them out according to their success within the set time frame. But that is pretty much going to be it for this week. Like I said, next week we are going to break down the Western Conference once I return from my trip. But I hope that this gave you some insight into what the standings look like currently and what the baselines are for each team when heading into the last part of the regular season. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to leave your thoughts on my DMs if you have anything to say about the episodes or the show as a whole. Whether it is positive or negative, anything goes on this side of the planet. But I hope that you enjoyed this NHL comeback episode and hope that you have a fantastic week ahead of you. And I wish to see you again next week. Stay tuned. Stay safe. Until next time. All right.